Hot Press Podcast presents All the Way from the Literary and Musical Town of Listowel in County Kerry, Backstage at Mike the Pies. A podcast presented by Megan O'Donoghue. You're listening to Backstage at Mike the Pies, the podcast with Megan O'Donoghue. I'm joined with Mick Flannery here at Backstage at Mike the Pies. Welcome, Mick. Thank you very much. So where did music begin for you? Um... My mother would sing songs in the house when I was a kid. She used to play the guitar. And uh, um, later on, I think, when I started to first get into music, it was through her family mm. at kind of sessions at, in bars. Like, I would have been too young to drink, but I was brought along. Um, and they would pass the guitar around, or they would. Some of them wouldn't play the guitar, but it you know, would be kind of a noble call scenario. Yeah. And then they were my grandfather, my mother's father, he used to sing to us in the car. And he kind of had the influence on everyone, I think. His taste in music had a big part to play. He loved American music, Paul Robeson and Johnny Cash. Uh, lots of what he, he had... He, he didn't care who it was. Uh, yeah. Know, he, he just liked the songs. He would sing in the car. He had a big voice. He was a big man. And uh, he had a very bassy voice. He's very hard to emulate. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the main thing. I, like, I, I kind of sometimes feel a bit strange about how American my influences are. Okay. That I've never played trad gigs. And that I don't know many of the Irish songs. Because it wasn't kind of uh, just part of what I listened to, you know. Yeah, the albums at home were Tom Waits albums and Joni Mitchell and Jim Croce and things like that. And Bob Dylan. Uh, so that's just how it kind of happened. I think Paul Brady and Van Morrison were the only Irish people in the collection. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's it, I suppose. Yeah. And I suppose who kind of springs to mind then? as one of your biggest influences in the music scene? Um, I, when I started to try and write songs, I was always... I was into the stories of songs and the lyric writing of Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan, and I, I wanted to be able to do that, to write the stories into the songs. Yeah. Um, so that, that was what I was trying to do. I would say Tom Waits was the biggest influence on me, probably too much. When I listen to my first album, I hear my young self trying to emulate him, trying to, like, I ha- I think I put on this fake croak as if I've smoked all my life and drank whiskey, <laughs> like, because I was trying, you know, I just admired him. Yeah. But I'm embarrassed by that now. But he was definitely a big influence. Yeah. And I suppose then you mentioned your songwriting. How does the songwriting process work for you? Um, it's kind of random. Yeah. Uh, I sit down with an instrument most days, um, just out of habit or a hobby. And I mess around and try to come with some melody or some chord progression that's that maybe new sounding. Um uh, if I have my easiest route into writing a song is a story. Yeah. Um, 
if I want to tell a story about something or if I see some type of connection between something um, a lot of the times it's w simple phrases that people say that I like to put them into songs and give them kind of give them a kind of a different uh, like when you s when you put something into a song it gives it uh, some type of weight do you know yeah. there's a reason that the person chose to put that simple little line in there yeah it must mean something else yeah um, a lot of them are conversation based I kind of like the idea of evoking characters you know when was the first time that you wrote a song I wrote a song at the, the place I grew up uh, I, li I we lived in a, a, an old farmhouse even though we weren't farmers we just had the this old house kind of that my parents did up uh, the road down at, at the bottom of the lane was called Madman's Road and it, it was named that for one the main reason was <coughs> um, that there was a, a sanctuary for World War One veterans yeah that was about 500 meters up the road and the men would walk up at this road and do a loop back to their I suppose it was called an asylum at the time and a lot of the men were shell-shocked and they would speak to themselves and you know so that's the reason it was called Madman's Road but later in the 1970s there was an incident there where a car was found with a body in it and it was a murder that happened a, a man became very jealous because he was in love with uh, the lady was a sex worker in this in Cork City and he fell in love with her and he couldn't deal so it, it was a tragedy yeah. Uh, so my first song was about that story. Yeah. About that uh, the car down in the woods there. Happy stuff. Happy beginnings. Yeah. Well, it really shows that as a musician, you know, you really read between the lines, and for a musician, that's something to be really, really proud of. That's a compliment. No, you, you, I can't. <laughs> I cannot answer that. Swinging a compliment <laughs> into something a bit dark. Well. I just I've always enjoyed it. Like I, I've always tried to have a tale. Yeah. So, you know. Or, um, I mean, I have like I've written a lot of personal songs as well, where it's all about me and my fucking feelings. Yeah. But uh, uh, those ones kind of you know later on in life you look back on those ones and you feel a bit silly for how in the self involved you were and how caught up in your own feelings that you were. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go ahead there now and, and show in another compliment to the mix because Sorry. you were the first Irish songwriter to win the national Nashville-based international songwriting competition. Yeah. That, that thing, I mean, I I put that on paper as in in my CV yeah. kind of thing, you know. Something but, that should be there, like. Well, it depends. I mean, those those things, they exist in the music industry a lot, you know. I'm not deliberately trying to be super modest here. Yeah. It's just something that happens that can sometimes be a bit nefarious. Like, I used to, I remember when I had uh, some radio play first, I used to get very odd phone calls from very, from kind of companies, they're like PR companies and publicity companies, and they'd say, if you give us 500 euro, you know, we can get you played here and there. And all these kind of dubious 
people that were kind of just kind of they're kind of sharkish in their yeah. behavior I'm not saying that competition is like that but it's similar because I had to pay to uh, submit my song okay you know? and the it, I don't know it's a kind of a strange kind of a scenario you know to, to have to pay to for someone to listen to the song yeah just for it to be judged I mean that's just what it was. I paid thirty euro. It was thirty pounds, maybe. It was like big money to me at the time. Yeah. And uh, um, I was very happy with it. I was glad. It was nice. I mean, they they sent me a kind of a prize, like a couple of cables and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, and they said that Tom Waits was on the judging panel and all, and maybe that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm very. I, I sound very negative, but you know. Whether it, it's true or not, though, it must have been. Something good, I suppose, uh, in a feeling to know that one of your influences and one of the people you listened to growing up was probably listening to your son. Yeah, the idea of that was nice. Yeah. But I remember as well feeling a bit conflicted because I was always stuck on the idea that I didn't really want too much attention, do you know? Yeah. That I was shy and that this was like, I broke form there, like sending off my CD, paying money to get one. Man, tell me how good I am. Go yeah. On. And uh, <laughs> so I felt weird afterwards. You know, I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe it happens to everyone when they seek attention and they get it. They kind of feel ashamed a little bit. <laughs> you know? There's something, something solid in it. Yeah. Um, this is a kind of a story song. It's taken from uh, some letters that were found in Mayo. Uh, I don't know exactly when. They were, they were found between America and Mayo. They were written during the time of the famine. The song is called Kill Kelly. Kill Kelly, Ireland, 1860. My dear and loving son, John. Your good friend, schoolmaster, Pat McNamara. So good as to write these words down. Your brothers have all gone to find work in England House is so empty and sad The crop of potatoes is sorely affected A third to a half of them bad Your sister Bridget and Patrick O'Donnell Are going to be married in June your mother says not to work on the railroad Be sure to come on home soon Kill Kelly, Ireland, 18 and 70 My dear and loving son, John Hello to your missus and to your four children May they grow healthy Michael has got in a wee bit of trouble I suppose that he never will learn Because of the downness we've no turf to speak of And now we have nothing to burn Bridget is happy you named the child for her Though she's got six of her own you say you found work, but you don't say what kind or when you'll be coming home. 
And then kind of, I suppose, bringing it most recently in your career, I suppose, you've been collaborating with Sun. Yeah. Um, you collaborated or her, say, with songwriting and a few other songs. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've been doing well, this year, thankfully enough, because of the year that it was, uh, I was very happy to have stuff to work on. Yeah. And working with Susan was one of those things. It was really enjoyable. We did this album of duets that was kind of a concept album based on a couple mm. um, we both wrote songs for it we both, we both won together but it was kind of difficult to, to meet because it was kind of uh, 
faux pas because of social distancing. And stuff. Everything going on in the world, yeah. Yeah. There was a relaxing in the restrictions and we got this chance to go record, uh, which is great. So we got everything recorded in Cork and some, some of it in Dublin. And hopefully it'll be out next year, I hope. Yeah. We're trying to get a, a shark to come along and bite <laughs> and uh, release it for us. Yeah. There's an American shark in the water somewhere. Yeah. And Susan was here actually herself a few weeks ago. And she mentioned that you kind of, you lend an ear, I suppose, and a hand once it comes to songwriting, like her most recent release, I suppose. You saw it and you added a few bits to it. Yeah, Susan has a lot of ideas uh, that sometimes she hasn't got them finished. Yeah. And, like, I, I understand how that feels because of the time you kind of, you don't know where to go with something and it's kind of sitting in the back pocket. Yeah. So... She sent me a few of them, and you know I was happy to help. Um, they're lovely songs. Yeah. You know, she's a lovely songwriter, so I didn't really do much, to be honest. She, mm. I'd say, she overplays my hand in that because she's so nice, but she really did a lot of the work herself. Yeah. But like, just even looking forward now to the album now next year, Touchwood, that it turns up, you know, I mean, the merge of the two voices together is just going to be remarkable. Oh, thank you. So, if a global pandemic didn't hit 2020, what was in store for Mick Flannery? I had some tours booked in Canada and America. I had, uh, in, I think there, in February or January, there was a folk music kind of conference in New Orleans in America. And I went there, and it's a kind of a thing again, and it's kind of looking for attention. But it's more legitimate, I guess. Uh, like, there's a lot of industry people that go there, a lot of touring agents in America. <coughs> it's kind of a difficult thing to break into different markets. There's a what you call a catch twenty two kind of thing where a record company won't sign you if you don't have a touring agent okay. on board, and a touring agent won't sign you if you don't have a record company on board. Yeah. So you have to kind of break one of the walls on your own. And I was lucky in New Orleans that I broke one of the walls. I got myself an American touring agent. And they were just about to start work when this thing happened. So it was a little bit, uh, it was kind of a good thing and a bad thing. At the same time, I just kind of hope they're still there when this is all over. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no doubt they'll be eager to start back up as well though. I hope, you know, but so unfortunately some companies can't have to had to fold completely. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of festivals that you know, may not return but I don't know. I was lucky anyway, I can't complain. Yeah. About my year compared to most people I I, I couldn't complain. And you did a live album in twenty nineteen in Cork Opera House. What was that like? That was a kind of a retrospective idea. I have a very good manager, Sheila yeah. Keane is her name. And uh, when the pandemic came, um, she kind of knew that a lot of the people in the industry in general, like lighting engineers and sound engineers, would be very much hit because they would have just absolutely nothing. Yeah. To uh, whereas songwriters can go off and work on projects like me. They don't have any, you know outlets in the industry once the live thing shuts down 
So it was her idea, Sheena's idea, to do this live album as a profit share between everyone in the band and the crew. And so that was that's how that we just happened to have a couple of gigs recorded and we picked that one. Yeah. So it wasn't like premeditated that we would release that gig. It just happened to be the one we chose. Yeah. Now you performed a song tonight here, Mike the Pies, Beyond My Help. Yeah. That one for me anyway really stuck out, I suppose, personally. What's yeah. the story behind it for you? I that's off an album called I Own You and I had started that album as a concept album. Mm. There's a couple of songs on the album about a man that is uh, cracking up mentally. Yeah. Uh, he's living in a small town and he's kind of disillusioned with the world. <clears throat> and one of the things that he's kind of losing is, is his relationship with his wife. And he's starting to cheat on his wife and he's starting to lie to her and to others. So that song is is something I wrote for that story from his wife's point of view, you know, that mm. she had grown into a relationship where she was with a now she was with a manipulator. Yeah. Um that's where it came from. I mean I I've witnessed lots of relationships that are like that, you know, where people fool each other and people you know, lying is bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very trite thing to say but uh <laughs> It's it can do a lot of damage, you know. It can drive people crazy. Yeah. People call it gaslighting. You know, it, it's very dis- destructive. And in your opinion, in your own views, I suppose, what would be your most kind of up there, uplifting kind of song from your perspective? Of mine. Yeah. Ooh. Uh. Uh. Shit. <laughs> I don't know if I have any. Uh, I don't tend to write happy songs because, uh, like, I don't see the point. If something's going well, then what the fuck is the point of talking about? <laughs> you know, what's the issue here? You know, tell me how good your day was, please. Fuck off. <laughs> you know. <coughs> um, so I, I can have I have some goofy songs. Yeah. I have a song called "Fuck Off World." Uh, yeah, one that we can all relate to, I suppose, after this global pandemic. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a song called I'll Be Out Here, which is a kind of... Uh, I don't know, it's like one of uh, You know, when people get down and they get kind of dejected, they kind of have to take a breath at some point. Yeah. You know? Or if people are grieving, they have to give them their minds a break from it. Yeah. some stage so the song is kind of about that little break that people yeah. have to give themselves yeah I think that song in particular kind of shows that there's light eventually no matter what hopefully hopefully is right this song is called Beyond My Help this is an original song Could I say I hadn't thought that I 
What's next for Mick Flannery? I mean, there's a tour on the books for 2021. Well, there's there's a few gigs now. I wouldn't yeah. call it a tour because uh, there's nothing nothing definite at the okay. moment. Uh, the album with Susan, will, I'd say it has to come out next year. Otherwise, yeah. it'll grow too old for us, and we won't we won't be able to kind of do it. It's justice. That'll be cool. Um, you know the. You know you can kind of release a few singles from it and see how it goes and stuff like that. Yeah. Do a few gigs. You might uh, come back with Susan to make the parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll do a, a a run of gigs around Ireland. Yeah. Hopefully, when you know when people are safe to be around each other. Yeah. And it's not your first time in Mike the Pies, is it? No, I think it's 
fourth or fifth. It is, yeah. Yeah. What do you love about Mike the Pies? Uh, what do I love? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people ask my friend, uh, someone asks me, do you ever get excited about anything? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the f- it's kind of, I've always liked venues like Mike the Pies because it's homegrown uh, passion project and someone's really into it someone's involved that's going to put in the work and make it as good as possible yeah there's a few of them around the country you know it's great i think they're great places for the local community you know um you know aiden has a great attitude he's very positive he wants things to you know keep going and it you know it's a great place to come it's got a mix of the front bar where yeah. you get to meet regulars couldn't give a fuck about you yeah. and then go into the back where people are supposed to give a fuck about you they <laughs> might not yeah I like that yeah um, and I then I suppose tonight then was a live stream gig what for you then is the difference I suppose in the feeling of performing really as opposed to the live audience uh, it's a big difference yeah um yeah, um, one of the main things for me is that the lack of sound, the sound system being on. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that's the main thing that people that watch it, watch these streaming gigs would miss as well. They'd miss the being in the room with a good speaker, that yeah. throwing out a bit of bass, you know, as, as opposed to your laptop there, you're watching something that's kind of foreign and it's never going to sound perfect or yeah. it's never going to really kind of hit you the way the vibration of air would uh, from a sound system and the fact that you know, an audience would all be in a room experiencing something together um, yeah so there, there's a lot there's a good few things missing from them I mean as good as you know, they're great to for the year that's in it they're necessary yeah but they don't replace it. Uh, they don't replace. No, much. they never will. Yeah. 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 So you've countless, I suppose, performances worldwide, Mick. Which performance for you would stand out? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I've done a lot of eyes, and so they kind of meld into one. Uh, and I, I'm kind of a subdued type of character as well, you know. Yeah. So it's not as if I'm. Freddie Mercury out there every night, like you know, uh, I have a lot of a pretty third gear attitude to life. Like uh, I can't, I don't know if I can give you an honest answer. You okay. Know? Um, Mike the Pies. Oh, I'm supposed to say Mike the Pies. <laughs> <laughs> well, where would you rather be? Oh, you fucking self-referential bastard. <laughs> rather be in my but I am in my deposit now I'm in a fucking vortex of meaning (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't have a good answer like I do miss playing with the band the the kind of camaraderie of that so in some ways the last gig with the band was the best one yeah (laughs) because it's what I missed Um, kind of regardless of regardless of where it was or you know Sorry, I don't know. it's not a good answer for you. It is a good answer. 
I would rather be in Mike the Privacy. <laughs> Thanks a million. Backstage at Mike the Pies was produced and presented by Megan O'Donoghue for Hot Press Podcasts.